So voila, it's Isusko, aka the Rapping AD, aka the Time Scheduler. Um, hope everyone's well. I want to start off with shout outs, as promised, to those who dropped a review in the Apple Podcast. So my big ups are going out to Steve Daly, the rigor extraordinaire, Lucy Kelly, second AD to the stars, Jonathan, first AD, Sidders Sidwell, golf bros legend, Fiona, the wife sent from the gods, Hodge, uh, Alice, APC, Carter, put Carter, uh, Bugsy, the real deal, Riverbank, still, and my two beautiful production peeps, Toby Lucas and Harriet Staples, massive, massive love going out to them. Massive love going out to you. Um, if you want a shout out, drop me a review. I'm going to do this for the next couple of weeks. Uh, now I think that's enough from me. So let's get started. So hello, film family. Another wonderful rep. Another wonderful rep. So um, <laughs> hello, film family. Another wonderful episode just about to happen with another wonderful person. Um, we started off together. She's kind of gone up many mountains and has seen the top and decided to change and done something else. And, and I think this is going to be an amazing, amazing episode for all of you runners that just are scared or might not want to dump, jump into the deep end of whatever it is that you fucking think that you want to do. Um, so without any further ado, thank you for coming on board firstly. And what is your name and what do you do? Hi, my name's Natalie and I am head of production at My Accomplice. Amazing. So what does that job mean to you? What is it that you do? Um, head of production, I, I've only been there for the last sort of three months, so I'm still kind of working out what that means because I think that that means a very different thing depending on which production company you're working at. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's basically aiding and supporting the directors and then the producers and executing jobs as we go through the whole process. So nice. I'll essentially be involved at every point. Okay. So from those bids coming in at the very beginning and the initial calls of the agencies all the way through to post-production, like shooting on set and everything like that. Nice. And of what, one of the first questions that I kind of say to people is that kind of process from pencil to invoice. Now being mm -hmm. the, from the beginning, how does it work with um, directors and pitching? Do, you, do they kind of come to you with an idea? Does an ad agency say, here's a script, and then you put it out to all of the directors? Or do you have a sense of this director's good for this, this director's great for that? You know, how do you figure out who gets to pitch on an idea? It really depends which agency and how they approach us. Mm -hmm. Often agencies will come to you for a particular director Yep. They will have already seen the reel and or you would have presented it to them at some point during like a sales meeting. Mm -hmm. um, and then you'll have a chat with that director. If they are up for it and want to get involved, then you'll move forward with them. If they decide to pass for whatever reason, whether it's creative or time scheduling issues, um, we would then have a look at our roster mm -hmm. and think about who else would be suitable for that particular job and then put them forward for it. Nice. And, you know, the podcast, I'm, um, I want it to, to help those media students that are 16, the film students that are kind of in their late 20s. And, you know, some of them want to be directors. What, what, are the, what are the things that the best directors that you've worked for, what do they do? What is it that they can do? One from a treatment, two from a shoot, you know, what is it that they have about them? 
I think the most important thing like from the off is kind of like attention to detail and really getting themselves and their heads into the scripts. So basically the way that it will work is they'll kind of get the script and then have an initial meeting with the creatives and that's sort of a fact finding meeting. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be for them to kind of like bond with the creatives and just really get their heads to where they're at creatively mm -hmm. and being able to like take that extra step and take that kind of written script and really kind of bring it to life for the agency and for the client. And it's the ones that kind of really get all in and really kind of regardless of whether it's toilet roll you're selling or whether it's a short film or a feature or whatever, it's approaching it each one in that same way with that same level of energy and creativity. Because mm -hmm. you can make that's like our job, like you can make anything exciting mm. essentially. And finding that is like the thing that I would say really kind of separates directors out and being able to have fun with it. Do you ever have to, as head of production, are you ever kind of having to rein, rein people, you know, it's like if all of a sudden directors so like, oh my God, this is gonna be, no, no, no. you have to be like, right, okay. You know, just let's take a break. You know, is it as much as carrot? Is it a stick? Yeah. So I think like the way that I, the way that I kind of approach it is like I love when someone's getting excited and throwing all their ideas out onto the table and I never want to be kind of like bursting in bubbles at the initial kind of part yeah. of the conversation. Mm -hmm. But I think like making sure that people are aware what ballpark they're in it's nice. probably always a yeah. good thing to do. Yeah, but yeah. also, like, our job as producers is to make shit happen. Mm. Like, obviously, like, there's a difference between kind of a 10 million, well, million pound script and, like, 100 grand. Mm. But, like, there are always clever ways of making stuff happen. And kind of if you have the right, for me, it's building a crew around that director mm -hmm. who can support and have as much passion Nice. and input as like that person mm. and that's how you can kind of make miracles happen Amazing. at the same time like do you need them to be realistic mm. and I but I think having that initial chat with the agency on the phone and the creatives like they will have been sitting with it for a really long time like this is their baby like the creatives to a certain extent mm. and so they'll kind of know where the client wants to go what's possible and what's within the realms and the agency producer will always also help with that so I think I wouldn't necessarily want to kind of do you know what I mean kind of squash yeah, it yeah yeah until yeah you like, had that conversation yeah now that not you know for for an analogy not putting out that fire of creativity in a director during the treatment mm. phase do you ever you know is it ever you know can a director come to you as a sounding board for an idea or do you try and keep very much you know that's a creative world this is i'm a logistics type of thing or what how, how, how do you do with deal with that no i love that like for me like that's my favorite thing like i like i said i've only been head of production like three months i was always a producer mm. and i love like sitting down with a director from the beginning treatment stage when we've got a job in and like bouncing ideas off each other kind of working out like which country is the best place to shoot it in like what's mm. the best production plan like to make that really kind of like big idea happen how can we do that cleverly <clears throat> for the budget that we have or the resources that we have and kind of just getting really excited with them about that to help them kind of develop and push their idea as far as is possible essentially nice. and I guess we should start we should just start from the beginning. It's like, you know, it's like you're now head of head of production. 
what's the chain and what's happened? What have you done to get up to that point? Did you go to university and go, I'm going to be a producer. You've done a two year production course and then boom, I'm a production. Or have you got a different story <laughs> in? Um, do you know what? Like when I was, I didn't even know the job of producer existed. Like mm. when I was at the point of going to university, mm. I only found out about that when I dated a guy who was a creative at an ad agency mm. and he was uh, like, you'd be a really good producer. And like, was, Are you like organizing? And I didn't know the, what that yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> just, so you're just typing up a call sheet for the weekend planned, right? So nine o'clock, <laughs> we're out the door. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, no, but my route was kind of weird. I went to London College of Fashion. Mm-hmm. I studied specialist makeup. Um, kind okay. of really so very quite creative then. Yeah. I've always been pretty creative. I love writing. I love like, painting and drawing and things like that as well Mm. very into documentaries and that side of things so uh yeah that's kind of my thing um but I worked in a bar for restaurants and bars since I was like 13 I was like ice cream girl in an Italian restaurant (laughs) just not shy of hard work it's like yeah I'm doing it I've always like wanted to be independent ever Mm. since I was little Mm. so it was important for me to make my own way and to be able to do stuff myself for mm. myself yeah um and I also actually think bar and restaurant work is a really good like foundational skill set for working on set or in yeah. production like Agreed. there are a lot of things that you have to do especially when you're working in like higher end restaurants and the control and like how the guest experience is mm which is really not that far away. And I've lost, I learned so many life lessons um, during that period. Um, I then went on to work in um, events. So I worked at an event company where we used to do big events for like Diageo and Penel Ricard. We opened the bar at the Dorchester and Cloud 23 in Manchester, like, wrote the cocktail list, trained the staff, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then I kind of, I got, I've been there quite a long time and decided that it wasn't really for me and that I actually wanted to try and move into production. So I kind of quit. Yeah, and, had you done much on set before that point? Or how did you? I wait, done was, anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I just wanted to get into production. You know, I love it. It's great. <laughs> no, it was because my like boyfriend at the time, um, that was kind of his world and his okay. friends were all creatives at agencies so I had kind of a small like peephole into that world mm. I also I went and met every friggin head of production or head of tv in London for coffee nice. which was I must have gone for 100 coffees I'm not when, like when you were doing when you were doing the bar staff work to specifically try and get into production then no, so I went from being in a bar, they basically offered me to be a bar manager yep. and I decided that I needed to get a new job because I didn't want to work in a bar forever as it just wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so gradually, once I'd made my mind up, I basically everyone I met that came into the bar, I asked them what they did Love and it. if they had a job. And basically one day, yeah, one day a girl turned around and was like, yeah, like, um, I'm leaving my job and they need someone, like, do you want me to introduce you? And they gave me the job basically because they didn't want to pay to advertise and they (laughs) thought they'd give me a chance. I thought you've saved the money already. That was the great thing. I know, right? 
but that was the events company yeah and then um after that the guy that i was dating like was saying about being a producer and i met mm. a few people at different places um went and had all these coffees which some of them are amazing and mm. like a mix of like ad agencies and production companies mm-hmm. um I got some great advice. Essentially, like you have to realize I had no idea yeah. what it was to work mm. in production. So I was going into these meetings literally with not a clue. Yeah. And so I had some people just be like, what do you want? And I was like, well, uh-huh. I'm not really sure, but I quite like to like be a producer, I think. Yeah. And like some of the meetings were truly... Uh, horrific <laughs> like actually yeah, yeah but a great learning curve you know and what so how did you find yeah. these people did you just hit them up was it social media was it them. brilliant it was like this is quite a while ago so i don't think it was like i wasn't really doing stuff through social media yeah um but i think it was through like contacts of my ex-boyfriend or like um also just like looking at lists of production companies or ad agencies that I thought were good and literally just going through and like emailing like the head of production or the head of tv in those Mm. particular places I've never had a problem with rejection (laughs) I like literally it's brilliant for the industry Jesus (laughs) yeah it's not bad is it it's like you've got Um, five pencils this week none of them work you go okay fine you know like cool just like have a little chill in park it's really true and those so what Um, did those you know you kind of get to the end of those those you know a hundred a hundred coffees and meets with people mm. do you think at that point you're like i'm never gonna this is never gonna happen or did did people already start saying we'll come in have a taster have a bit of work experience what no not at all (laughs) (laughs) no one no one offered me anything (laughs) um no so i actually I then got a job kind of like a sort of runner, mm-hmm. sort of started off as runner, sort of PA type job at a very small startup uh, run by a wonderful creative director called Paul Belford. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the most awarded, he was at that point, one of the most awarded uh, creative directors. Um, and he was really amazing. I worked there for about a year and a half and worked mm-hmm. my way up. It was very small, there was only about eight of us something like that mm-hmm. um and so we did a lot of print campaigns a lot of strategy we did our own little shoots and stop motion like things like this and quite hands-on like, then so from not having really any background on. in it that, that sounds like a really great place to have gone into to have learned a load it was amazing it was like it was very like uh baptism of fire mm. a little bit as well like google is a godsend yeah. essentially as well and youtube love videos it. of how yeah, to like, tutorials yeah man love so it. in that um and also paul is exceptional and his level of attention to detail is like mm-hmm. absolutely second to none i remember being there at like 3 a.m in the morning where the guys were changing like the leading kerning on a design piece by a millimeter to send out and i was like please can we send it <laughs> please <laughs> like, i hit send i'm so sorry <laughs> But he was like, well, but now, like, if you, like, if you let your, like, level of uh, perfection drop, like, Mm. where do you stop? Yeah. He was like, it's not good enough. Mm. And that really taught me, like, working with him, where kind of, like, how important the attention to detail is. And it's Mm. just absolutely foundational in production for, like, the shoot to then work well. 
Mm. So yeah. So what yeah. was the what was the the progression into production companies then? So you've kind of uh, how long how long were you in the ad agency world for, and where did you, what level did you get to? I was literally there for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, I really loved it though because we did a lot of charity work. So I worked with some amazing charities there. And actually got made redundant from there because they decided to downsize. Mm -hmm. um, and my ex-boyfriend went on a shoot in Lebanon with a partisan and Amazing. essentially uh, maybe like sat around the bar with Bonnie and Russell. Yeah. And they mentioned, he mentioned that I was looking to become like a working production side mm -hmm. and they needed a PA, which was, actually very abnormal for partisan because they normally don't hire outside they normally have work experience runner pa yep. they never kind of get you in as a pa but it just so mm. happened they needed one and he came back and he was like i got you a job at partisan you start wow. on monday so massive that was crazy um and, and what was that like so yeah so that like talk us through that process of okay so you're kind of going into an environment that you know, you're, you've had loads of experience like doing lots of similar things, but the nuances mm. of actual production, what are you thinking? Are you just like, oh, shit, they're going to sniff me Actually out? petrified. Or, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Like, I loved working at Partisan. And I think, like, Jason, I remember Jason came and got me from reception on the first day. Oh, that guy. And, like, yeah, and him and Nicole and everyone literally made me feel so welcome mm. and so able to like ask questions and not feel too stupid like we had um the instant messenger i can't remember what instant messenger it was like MSN messenger chat, or something, like, yeah oh, okay. something oh, yeah. and i would be on the phone and i'd be like what's a grip <laughs> and jason would be like a grip is the person that moves the camera i'm like nice like, That's like, a whilst on a conference call and i would literally be googling like wow. terms that I didn't understand while I was like having a call with people yeah because I was I just didn't know anything mm. like the terms we use on set are not terms that you just know no. <laughs> like you learn them by not. being in it yeah it's like apple box all of a sudden some you know work experience comes back <laughs> with a box of apples you're like uh, <laughs> okay I love the hustle I love that I like that I love <laughs> well done yeah. <laughs> but, and then so what, yeah. what you know what's that how how quick how steep is that learning curve as a pa oh my god it, it was so steep it was so steep like i've all i've always been very good at being thrown in the deep end and i've mm -hmm. always been like a real hustler like mm -hmm. i work extremely hard i get that from my mom and i am like i have like absolute determination not to fail mm. like I'm just like it's just not an option. Yeah. <laughs> like literally it's not even in vocabulary. It's not an option. Yeah. Um so so yeah, and I think that people really appreciate that. Like, even if you don't know stuff, as long as you're like really, really trying and they mm. can see that, they will like help you. Mm. Um and obviously you just need you really just need to have common sense, I think. Yeah. Like a lot of our job is just common sense. Mm. And knowing where to apply that so yeah i think um i remember doing like my first production like ppm booklet and just like frantically trying to put this together and print like 20 copies of this like 100 page booklet for a ppm they had in like 
20 minutes and all of the printers in the whole building stopping working and oh, just no. everyone like but it used to be like very much everyone supported each other mm. and I just be like oh my god like are you busy can you help me I need like someone to go to the basement and print 20 copies of this and someone else to go upstairs and print it yeah and you would like as a group effort make that happen nice um also that's because filming of the as layout. well that's a film yeah. set you know that's that's totally. part of it is everyone yes we're very interdepartmental it's like you deal with this you deal with that you deal with this but actually as a collective it's a family mm, has to be like our jobs are very hard and you're very tired a mm. lot of the time and i think everyone needs to be or is aware of that and understanding of that otherwise mm. they kind of don't really last that long perhaps and so it's having that empathy with each other of like do you need me to help you right now? Yeah. And it's like, okay, just tell me what you need and I will just do it. And I, I won't ask questions or judge you for not having done it. It's yeah. fine. Like, let's just fix this. Mm. Um, I learned that a lot because in partisan, it's very, it's all open plan. It was in the old office. I think it still is probably. Um, and so every, there'll be like four or five productions happening and everyone would be talking about what had happened, what had gone wrong, what had gone right, the issues they were having not talking about it together but you just overhear it yeah and so you would learn so much for just listening in that environment mm. of like oh okay like they did this and then this happened and then they fixed it by doing that so if that happens to me I can then use that same like nice technique yeah and I think that means that you're taking in so much more information than just the shoots you personally work on mm. um yeah and then, so how long did you PA for? And did you just, did you skip PMing and go producing? Or how does that chain? Or did you do a little bit of PMing as well? So um, the way that I went from PA to PM was quite abrupt, actually. Uh, basically, Bonnie became head of Darkroom, which was the video content when content was kind of a new thing yep. um, and quite separate from commercials. And basically asked me if I'd like to go and work with her there as production manager or nice. stay as a PA in commercials. Mm -hmm. And I had until like 10 a.m. the next morning to decide. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm not sure it was quite as abrupt as that, but that's yeah, definitely yeah. how I went. Um, and yeah, so I just decided that actually I would quite like to do that. Yeah. And so um, for me, it, looking back now, it was really the right decision to make mm. because obviously the way the industry's changed, I was kind of, part of that beginning curve of the movement the from, well exactly and it yeah. was quite different to like how your traditional tv commercial was made mm. in the the lengths were longer the budgets were smaller yeah. um and it was with a lot of the more junior directors at that point which for me is like always quite fun mm. because they're You're just all like, learning yeah learning eager and it's very much a team effort you can sort of help them and guide them with your kind of experience from commercials. Mm. So yeah, and then I I gradually did more and more there and like our turnover was absolutely incredible. Like I think there was only three of us or four of us and we were like at least on like two or three jobs at a time. Like it, there was never a break. Whereas in commercials, you would do a commercial, have a couple of weeks then yeah. do another one. But in dark room, like it wasn't like that, which I quite liked if I'm honest non-stop like it was really fun yeah. like it was it was fun it was like intense but fun 
Um, and then actually what we've produced... Again, it's another, you know, it's another baptism of fire. You kind of went from baptism of fire and PA into baptism <laughs> of fire and PM. And where you, you haven't got like the, oh, here's four weeks of prep. It's just like, here's four weeks. Right. We're shooting five jobs. You're like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a little bit. I loved it. Like, it yeah. was really fun. And like I said, like the team were always like really supportive. Hmm. Madeline was amazing at Partizan as well. Like if there was ever an issue like you felt completely comfortable to be able to call her at any point nice. and just ask for help and she would always answer and always have very amazing advice to mm. kind of give you and like, help with the situation because obviously her experience level was uh, second to none so yeah mm. no that was amazing um and then with producing Actually, like I was working with Jenny at that point and she wanted me to produce, but I didn't want to. <laughs> so it took a while for me to, I was just, I was very nervous about making that jump from production managing to producing. Yeah. Um, and in the end, we kind of decided on a system where she would like exec produce and I would produce so nice. that she would kind of be there with me. Just because mm -hmm. I'd seen people jump into producing maybe too early and then it really knocked the co their confidence when it wasn't it didn't quite go yeah. that well and I just really didn't want to put myself in a position that I wasn't ready for well that honesty as well that's really that self-awareness to to be able to because I guess you know in in a sh to summarize you're thinking long term you're like if I jump mm. too soon and I'm not very and I'm not as I don't feel as capable of doing that job to the to the height that I'm doing the PM in people might start going doesn't know what she's doing you know, mm -hmm. doesn't exactly. know what he's doing, don't, don't know what they're doing. So that's a really, was that a difficult conversation to have with a with a boss who was like, I think you're ready. And they're like, nah, I'm not. No, it wasn't difficult. I was right. literally just like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> no, because you have to understand like the dynamic as well. Like it was very like our communication. Like, we were all sat around like one big desk, like myself, Jenny, Ella, and mm. Rich at that point. And we were kind of like, we had all like great relationships and it was mm. not, it, although like I love the hierarchy within production because I think it really serves a purpose yeah. and functions really very well. Um, at the same time, you're all mates as well mm. because you're literally spending more time with them than anyone else in your entire life. Yeah. So Partners, um, flatmates, boyfriends, girlfriends, wives, husbands. Children. It's like, it's, <laughs> yeah, kids. It's like, I will see you this time next week. Yeah, no. yes. when you're away on jobs and stuff like it's literally your family because mm. you just have to there's no choice if like if you're on a job and you're meant to be going out that night and something goes wrong you're not going out like no. there's just not mm. an option like friends have to very quickly become aware Understand. that yeah. you will give them as much notice as possible but if you say you can't come you can't come like no. there's no choice and like you accept that and that's fine mm. i think kind of so then you also end up socializing with the people you're working yeah. with just to see a little <laughs> bit more of them you know yes. <laughs> eight to late in the office and then eight till midnight in the pub that's it. Oh, exactly <laughs> so what does that um, producing you know is the producer hat a different hat than to production manager and head of production are they like you know do you have yeah. to decompense decompartmentalize really different like I because I still um 
so I was freelance after leaving Partisan I was freelance mm-hmm. for sort of four and a half years but I still would production manage for people mm-hmm. but only I only production manage for people that I would learn from yeah because I think it's important that you always continue learning and yeah I'm a producer but there are people with different skill sets to me that do things in a different way that have had more experience mm. and if I can go and work with them and learn from them that's amazing for me yeah to go freelance is that just something that was an itch you had to scratch or had you kind of was there was there an opportunity you know where you're in a bar sometimes someone said oh i've got this <laughs> you know like how do you how, what what's what's the point where you go i, I now want to go and and find other things to 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 produce for us find other jobs find other companies well um i think that everything like personally like in life i think everything has its time frame do you know mm-hmm. what i mean like it yeah. has its kind of like life yeah and then you need to refresh Mm -hmm. and for me I think like change is the thing that continually keeps you moving and growing Mm -hmm. as a person and I think that that's really important Um, and actually like Rob like our accountant at Partisan would say to us that it's important like when you feel that you need to go and freelance to have a change then you should definitely do that because also as a company they recognize that you burn out and also it's good to have like fresh blood and people that are excited. If you've been there a really long time, like, and it's not quite right. And you're just there because you were always there. Maybe you're not going to be the best employee, mm. like the whole time. Yeah. And I think that's very like forward thinking um, as a company. But for me, I had worked at Partizan like five years, five and a half years. And um I decided that I was a bit over London mm-hmm. and wanted to go and live somewhere else. Um, I'd been thinking about it for a long time, actually, for about a year, yeah. year and a half before I actually decided to leave. Um, because it's a family, you kind of have to extract yourself because it's like, it's lovely. Mm. Um, but I decided in the end, uh, after much liberation, that I was going to move to Spain. Yeah, <laughs> I'm allowed to say I'm Spanish. I can say it's right. Nice, girl. It's Absolutely okay. Fine, babe. <laughs> Let's go. I don't think I've ever heard a Spanish set version say no. hello. <laughs> no, they don't. Maybe <laughs> in like flamenco, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. You're not. It's not. Yeah. It's not part of an everyday sentence. No. I kind of wish um, it was. Right <laughs> so what? Like you know, <laughs> there, there seems to be a running theme here that you kind of go. Okay, I feel comfortable. I'm thing. I'm settled. That's it. I'm off. I'm done. I want a new challenge. Is that something that then helps you keep moving and going up, you know, and progressing? Is that something that you'd recommend? Yes. <laughs> no, but I don't, yeah. I don't think change for change's sake is necessarily right. Okay. I think that if you're still learning and you're still kind of, if it still feels like it's the right thing for you at that moment, mm-hmm. and that can be in like many different ways, then you should continue with it. But I think also if something comes along, like don't, always have your eyes open Mm. for like opportunities that come up and different ways to kind of expand your knowledge Mm. um and I also think everyone's different so I think it's really like for me I've always relied on my intuition when as a producer on on like a shoot on set Mm. my intuition is like my most powerful tool but also in life it's my superpower absolutely um yeah, so 
for me, like, I just knew that I needed to do something else. Mm. And it was just like, and also it's good to sit with it for a minute. I can make decisions quite spontaneously and I do have to force myself to sit and think mm. whether this is the right decision for me. Um, so, yeah. So what did I that, moving to, you know, like, do, do they work the same? Is it a same flow? Is it a different vibe? How does working abroad in Spain differ to working? Because I, I assume you were doing the same thing. I was doing service production in Spain. Okay. So same, same, but different. Yeah. Um, essentially, service production is when a company comes from abroad uh, to shoot in that country and you essentially facilitate that shoot for that mm -hmm. other production company. So you're working into a producer from a production company from another country. Yeah. Um, so there are similarities, but there are also a lot of differences just because that you, the final, like the buck doesn't sit with you. That's yeah. someone else's decision to make. Mm. You provide them with the tools they need and then they need to tell you, yes, I need this. No, I don't need that. Yes, mm. I want to do it like this. Um, so that's kind of a different hat again. Um, I think it's very interesting and probably very naive of me that Spain is so different from like the UK. Yeah, I need it now. They're like, yeah, okay, let's just take a, let's, you know, is it very you much just slower that? pace? No. <laughs> it's still bang, it's bang, not... bang, 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 bang. Yeah, like I think that's like a preconception people have but actually like Spanish crews are amazing and fast and on it like really really on it but it's different because I didn't realize like what it was really to be like English mm. about stuff and what it was like for someone to be Spanish about things and Italian until I lived in Spain mm. and realized that the way that we work and um, the way that we say stuff the way we use language is so different to how other people do. Mm. Um, in England, we have a lot of like, um, we don't say what we mean and we're not very direct. And okay. we're probably a little, sometimes a little um, emotional if people are very direct yeah. with us. Yeah. Um, and we don't really like confrontation, obviously generalizing massively. Yeah, yeah, but, but on a whole. Generally, yeah, yeah. like that's the thing. Once you get to a point of confrontation as an English person, like you're really wound up hmm. whereas that's not the same in spain in spain it's very much you talk about everything yeah to the extent that i just couldn't talk anymore because <laughs> 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 um, i'm used to kind of being like having a conversation with my team about stuff but not kind of going into such detail yeah and this is just my experience hey um hmm. also in regards to like conversations and directness people are very direct yeah um, and they will speak with raised voices in what would seem an argumentative way, but it's actually just it's a just communication talking. way. It's, it's just, just talking. Like Christmas Day at ours back in the day. <laughs> like you had to speak loud or you're just not you being have heard. To. Standard. Like production offices are loud. Yeah. Like I thought production offices were loud in the UK. Like they are like quite a bit louder. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, people are very loving and kind and really caring about each other. Mm. And you'll definitely need to like set aside a bit more time when you're calling people to kind of 
find out how that person is sometimes. Oh, that's Whereas really UK, nice. That's really nice. Is. I like that. It takes longer, but that's nice. I like that. It's really, really nice. And I really liked it until I was really in the middle of production. And I just, because my <laughs> I Spanish I didn't answer yes or no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember like back in the day when like Lynn was at Red phoning her being like, hi, I need this person for this day. Are they available? Yes. Okay. Can I put a pencil? Cool. Bye. Yeah. That was it. Efficient. Thank like, you. Done. 30 Tick. seconds. Yeah. And then I went into this and my Spanish wasn't perfect. Mm. And we're having conversations that are a lot longer. It, everything will take me longer. Yeah. Because my Spanish wasn't quite perfect because you're functioning in two languages at the same time. Um, Did you have any Spanish past? Did you learn it at school? Did you think, or are you just like straight no. in? <laughs> deep end. Another uh, deep end moment. I told you. What did I say? At the beginning of this chat, yeah. it's like you get to the top of a mountain and you're like, yeah, it is. So let's just jump off and let's see where I land. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I definitely was quite naive about how long it takes to learn a language. <laughs> <laughs> but the frying yourself in the deep end is the quickest way to learn it. No absolutely no and it's incredible and people in spain will like help you every yeah. step of the way mm. and people try so hard to speak english if they don't or try so hard to explain something in a way that you may understand it better mm. and like just like the support that i got and like the trust as well mm. of like handing me a production when i hadn't necessarily produced in that country in that way before yeah was like huge leap of faith and it was fine <laughs> it went nice. really well yeah. um yeah and, and I how long were you there for then so what what what's the step what's the step coming back to here so I was in Spain for like three and a half years mm -hmm. um I think it was quite like when I was living in Spain, I was working both for production companies in the UK, shooting abroad, and also for service companies and generally just for whoever would pay me, which was quite fun. Um, so I, I think I was working for 24 seven um, at the end of last year, doing a lot of budgeting for them, which I really loved yeah. actually, 24 seven atop. And um, it was a real pleasure to work for them. It was a lot of working from home um, and I was getting a little frustrated with my Spanish at that point. Yeah. And I think I decided that like Spain just wasn't like my forever or like Madrid wasn't my forever city. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd always said that I had to stay there until I could speak Spanish. And at that point, like I could speak Spanish and I really missed the UK and I missed working with like my production teams in the UK mm. and my sister had a baby. Yay. So to come back, I know, and be an auntie. Um, yeah, I really quite quickly decided that I was just going to move back. Nice. Um, and yeah, I was I was really lucky. I moved back last summer, last June, mm -hmm. um, and actually got work straight away. Went straight back out to Madrid to do a job for Hunky Dory <laughs> with Charlie Thorne, the director, yeah. which I loved, and we had such a great time. Um, and then straight off the back of that, went on to a huge Michael Gracie job mm -hmm. uh, for the National Lottery, where I PM'd for David Stewart. Lovely. Who I love. Top man. Um, absolutely. Um, and then at that point, actually, it's interesting, you know, that sort of uh, synchronicity mm -hmm. type thing. I, I got invited to the MBA. Someone had a spare ticket. Lovely. And I like, hadn't been planning to go, but that day... 
I went with like Sasha Nixon from Forever because I used yeah. to work with Forever a lot. Um, and actually got chatting to Bonnie, who used to be the head of production, who was the head of production at my accomplice, mm-hmm. and overheard her saying she hadn't found a replacement because she was moving to the countryside. And then in that moment decided... Actually Bonnie, dark room, was... Bonnie. Same Bonnie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, so in that moment, I decided that actually what I did need and what I was missing when I was in Spain was stability. And to have a team, like I like having a team, like having the banter, I like like helping people to develop and being part of growing a company mm. and making something that's more than just being kind of a gun for hire, which yeah. sometimes it can feel a little like when you're freelance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Amazing. And uh, started at my accomplice, the most amazing team of girls, um, and Jamie, the owner. Yeah. Um, which is really has been like a really interesting experience, and again, very different mm. from both production managing and producing. Nice. Now, you know, kind of distilling the chat that that we've just had in my brain, I kind of think you've been so willing to jump in things you've never done, experiences you've never had, work your way up, having the self awareness to kind of go, okay this isn't where I need to be right now, jumping in again. Do you, would you have any advice to your younger self or is it, is, is there, you know, you've just seemed to have taken every opportunity that, that you felt like you needed to take at the time. If you were to sit here and the 16 year old you is sitting in front of you, what would you say to him? It's quite difficult because I'm quite kind of pragmatic. I don't know if that's the right word, but, um, and essentially, I think I've enjoyed like, and I've taken every opportunity that's kind of been thrown at me and it's mm. been hard, mm. but also has been, I would probably say have more confidence in your ability. I think although I was very good at throwing myself into stuff, perhaps my confidence was quite lacking. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be something that would have been um, been more helpful and made it less painful sometimes (laughs) (laughs) um and like confidence in your abilities I think is something I think it's something that you can't tell someone though I think it's something that you can really only learn yeah but I think just okay when I'm like when I'm shooting like I find it it's really important to like build strong relationships that's it to build strong relationships with everyone along the way regardless of who they are mm-hmm. and also to like value every single person I think that's something people often forget and I really try and like instill in my team that everyone from the person that brings the honey wagons to the runners to the caterers to the like electrical team grip team like DOP director producer mm-hmm. There is not one person in a crew that is not absolutely integral. Like there is no way that we could do our jobs without any single one of those people. And so giving that level of respect and understanding and having empathy for what their jobs entail and the pressures that they have put on them when we're kind of dealing with each other. I think that is a very important lesson. And I think that's something that you learn as you go through, but I think if people kind of, the faster they kind of realise that, essentially the better. Oh, 
there it is it like it you it took it like just needed that second but pow that is <laughs> that it's, it's beautiful because you're right and you know sometimes when you're running you are overlooked you you, mm. you feel like an like an afterthought of someone's decision making you know but actually you're not and and all these yeah. things that do have to come together to make a film set work um and i think you're right the empathy and 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 seeing everyone you know you do your job you turn up you smile you, you get on with it and mm. and just realizing that other people are human beings as well i think is a massive massive learning curve and process that talking to different people on in different departments you know there's a running theme it's like confidence mm -hmm. and realize that other people are human beings i love it well Absolutely. look we, we've kind of we've kind of hit it feels like we just hit the 45 minute mark and and i'm sure <laughs> there's like i'm sure there's like loads of questions that i haven't even asked and and i'm sure there's loads of things you want to say that you haven't even asked but i like to i like to keep it to that 45 just because then it gives us a, a sense of somewhere to go to so i'm gonna mm -hmm. i'm gonna try it for the first time today on this podcast because the last few that I've done, they've kind of tended to become big thank yous. So I'd normally kind of say, is there any a person or a project or anything like that? But actually, you've just won the Oscar for whatever <laughs> it is that you're doing. Like, what is your Oscar speech? Who are you thanking? What, what you know, the floor is yours. You, you go, you tell me. Well, I think to start with, kind of going from that question of 16-year-old me, I think I would thank like all of those actually women that have kind of supported me all the way through my career and really kind of like pushed me up and given me the confidence to take those big jumps that I've taken as I've kind of gone along the way mm -hmm. obviously Bonnie for making me go to um production manager yeah. uh, and then Jenny and Madeline and Russell and all the partisan crew that I worked with for so many hours over the years yeah. Also, like the guys in Spain who gave like an English girl that they didn't know that couldn't speak the language a chance, like Chad mm. from the Brownie Film Company, Thomas from 24-7, Lindsay, who was then running the motel. Um, just like absolutely incredible for them to kind of have given me like that chance to prove myself. Um, and then now, like Jamie... Um, he runs my accomplice and also like the fantastic girls that I work with there who are just literally like fierce and creative and clever women. Mm. And I'm really like pleased that I had the opportunity at this moment to be part of that team and to kind of move forward with them really. Amazing. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like as you're clapping off the stage, everyone's <laughs> the Oscar. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, sis. I've loved it. It's been amazing. Um, and as I said, ladies and gents, and you know, it's it gives you the opportunity to hear from someone who gone up the ranks, decided for a change, gone up the ranks, decided for a change. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're at, if you're somewhere and it doesn't feel right, it's better to jump into the deep end. And figure out and live a life of happiness it's like what why do the slog if it's not right it's not right and and that that's the lesson that i'm taking away from it um i hope you've all had a lovely time listening um from all the listeners now thank you so much for coming on thank you um and um thanks ladies and gents for kind of getting us back into the charts we're kind of still in that top 10 we peaked at number four it's just all an amazing journey for me so thank you thank you thank you um keep keep sharing it keep listening keep subscribing and until we meet again film family that is a wrap
So that was a chat with the king or queen in the game. I'll give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film Gods Podcast. The what? The Film God Podcast.